following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 92, is it time to fire your flight instructor? Coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to Stuck My Gavcast, episode 92. I'm really excited to be here tonight. I've done a lot of flying this week and some really cool flying up north and some warm flying down south. Some really got to really geek out, and uh, and I'm here with actually some other aviation geeks today. I'm here joining by uh, Eric Crump. Hey, Eric. What's up? Hey, and Rick Felty. Hey there, hey there. Hey, and uh, Victoria Zyko. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I love it. Sean Moody couldn't uh, make it this evening. He has a kind of a shift change, so we're excited to have him on the next episode. Let's do the pre-flight. Really, really excited to talk about our topic this evening. Uh, it's something that uh, has... Uh, me excited because of the fact that it's it's a it's a very difficult subject, and I'll tell you a little bit about it in a little while. But before we get started, uh, a couple things. Number one, how do you get in touch with us? You know, I'm I'm really I'm happy that you're sending us emails, and and Rick actually set up a hashtag uh, on Twitter, and we're able to get information that way. And also, we have a phone number. So let's start with the Twitter hashtag. That's going to be ask or excuse me hashtag ask smac ask smack. And uh, when we when you put that in there, in the tweet, we actually get a copy of that tweet. So anytime you use that hashtag, we're going to get a copy of that. And if you have any questions, you can do that on Twitter. The only problem with that is it's uh, for a long question, like we got from one listener. It uh, takes quite a few tweets to <laughs> to get the whole tweet, question tweet. down. Tweet, 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 tweet. Yeah, sorry tweet. about that. What are multiple tweets called? String of tweet. Is there such a th- twits? No, no, it's not tweets. What's a isn't there such a thing like uh, what's a, a string of tweets is? Okay, uh, I don't know. And, and you could go to ask s max pound s mac, and you can tell us what that is. Um, so <laughs> there's uh, so if you have a question, go there. Also, if you want to write us an email, you have a longer question, do that. Go to stuckmikeavcast at gmail That's easy. We just set that up. So stuckmikeavcast at gmail um, And and I really want to get some content here. Give us your stories. We'll even read them on here. Uh, solo stories, that type of thing. If you're, uh, you know, happy that something happened, you know, in your your aviation life, like you saw something really exciting, like Victoria is going to tell us about, then then tell us. The other way you can get in touch with us, and and if you're going to do this, do it by calling us, leaving a message, and I can actually play your message here right on the podcast. And uh, and you know, if you can, you know, the headset or whatever, but just call the phone number, and it is. And dun dun dun, the number is, and I'm trying to see if you guys can figure this out. It's three four seven six nine nine four six four seven. Three four seven my wings. Three four seven my wings. Oh wow. Well, I well, and I've I've this number I've had for a while for call-ins for the other shows. And if you do call in, make sure you mention Stuck Mike that this question is for Stuck Mike. But what are the first three letters? First three numbers. I just found out today. It's dip my wings. 
So that's the number you're going to call is dip my wings. Dip my wow. wings. Three four seven six nine nine. Really, you have, really, I got to clarify this. You got that number, but you did not know that that's I, what it's about. My wings. I knew. I yeah. wanted my wings. Three four seven. Get this. Three four seven. To be honest with you, was yeah. because it was the it was the Bell three four seven. The helicopter. Wow. It was named after that because oh. I thought that'd be cool. And then wow. just today, someone said, "Do you realize that that spells dip?" I think you're kidding me. You know, like <laughs> rock your wings. I was like, "Oh, right, that's so right. cool!" Like dip, dip my wings. So dip my wings is the number. So that's that's a neat. So if you have a question, uh, it just put it in there and then uh, or leave us a message and uh, we'll actually even play it on here if you want us to. Just make sure uh, you tell us if you want that. So dip my wings is one way of contacting us. Well, anyway, I really want to hear from you folks, but. We also want to hear what people have done today and what kind of announcements we have. First, Victoria, you have an announcement uh, that's uh, pretty cool. I'm very, very, very excited about this, Victoria. Me too. It was a complete surprise. Um, People probably heard me in the past talking about having a special issuance medical. I think I actually had it as a topic early on. Uh, I had a retinal detachment in 2010, and ever since I've had to have an authorization letter and uh, go back to the doctor's every year before getting my medical renewed and the FAA would have to review a bunch of paperwork. Well, to my surprise, after submitting all this paperwork, as I usually do, um, people had told me I would always have this authorization letter and there was no getting rid of it due to my issue. I got a message from the FAA, the letter with my brand new medical stating, you no longer need a special issuance. So I am back to a normal medical for five years. Wow. Awesome. Congrats. Yes. Congrats is right. So miracles do happen. The FAA doesn't want to make your life hell. It just, you know, they realized that my issue wasn't going to happen when I was in an airplane, and it's not going to happen again. And so they decided to make life easier on me. How long was this process, Victoria? Um, the process to get my well, medical issue. That, yeah, by the time you, you, you weren't able to have your medical to the time that you got this special issuance removed. I mean, how long has it been? Um, since 2010. That's a while. So I've had a special issuance since 2010 when when the retinal detachment happened. Mm. And so every year um, I have to go to the doctors. It's a specialist, and she has to fill out a chunk of paperwork that then has to be submitted to the FAA prior to my medical expiration. You know, it, it's fascinating, this special issuance. You'd be surprised how many pilots are flying with special issuances. Uh, a lot of airline pilots, especially, because that's their job. And uh, I, I have a buddy right now. He went and had an uh, angiogram, an angioplasty done. And he's going to have to have a special issuance. And that's going to be, uh, try to say that 10 times fast, special issuance. Special, special, special. But it's, it's, it's really, it's not as bad as it seems. I know while you're going through that, it's hard to say that. But... Uh, I'm so excited for for you, Victoria, and for those people that are listening. You know, hang in there. If you have a special issuance and you want to get get it re- removed, you, it can happen. It can happen. In the grand scheme of things, yes, it's a pain. I have to go to the doctor every year versus every five years, mm-hmm. but I still get to fly. So, a special issuance going through that work is really worth it if you care about being involved in aviation that much. Right. right. You'll do it. Yes. You'll do anything. So I did, but I'm glad the paperwork is over with. Cool. Cool, cool, That's cool. awesome. That yeah. is awesome. Thanks. Well, gosh, that, that's uh, pretty much the only announcement we have. But we do kind of have an announcement. It's a shout-out, really, uh, that Eric Crump wants to mention today. Uh, and, uh, Eric, what is, what is that shout-out today? Well, I had two, actually. Two. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, the, the first one is uh, something I got to be a, a part of today. I love... 
I love committing aviation as much as humanly possible, but I also really enjoy watching people reach goals in aviation. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a rush <laughs> for me. Um, I love flying, but I love watching other people get to fly and accomplish goals. And, um, a big shout out today to, uh, to one of my students, uh, in our college program, John, uh, got his private pilot certificate today. Oh, and, uh, congrats, not only John. did he get his certificate, he got what is quite possibly one of the best reviews I've ever gotten from an examiner awesome. um, on his performance. So I'm very proud of him and the amount of effort he put into that process. Um, and so a big shout out to John because I actually got to be there. Usually when my students complete a, a practical test, I'm doing something or I'm somewhere else and I get to see the pictures afterward. But um, this one I actually got to be a part of. So um, it, uh, it was awesome. And awesome. I, I, I love watching that happen. So congrats to John. Um, and my other shout out is just a huge thank you. Um, for those of you who've never been to a uh, women in aviation conference, uh, it's a, I don't know. I think most, most people hear women in aviation and say, well, guys aren't invited. No, there are tons of guys <laughs> at the women in aviation conference. Um, but it's such a great opportunity. You know, I have, I have a wife who's a pilot and I have two uh, young daughters, um, one of which is very adamant on becoming a pilot one day. The other one's, yeah, I'm content to ride with you, Dad, but I have no interest in doing it myself. But that may change. And you know, having having role models in a in an industry niche that is so predominantly male, I think is a huge deal. And what Women in Aviation does uh, to encourage women to get involved in aviation, to provide a mentoring culture for women who are already in aviation, I think it's a great deal. Um, and uh, the conference this year was in Dallas. Um, and obviously, um, my female students in the program would love to be able to go and do that. They went to Orlando last year because it's right here in our backyard. Um, but, uh, one of our amazing partners and great friends, uh, JetBlue stepped up and, um, offered four of our students the opportunity to go to women in aviation, not just to go, but to have their airfare paid for their lodging paid for and their conference registration paid for. Um, and it was actually a zero cost trip to Dallas for a full you know, three-day trip through women in aviation. And um, a huge mentoring experience for our young ladies and something that I, I believe in the cause anyway, but such a huge deal to have a partner step up and help out for a trip that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So a huge opportunity for my students. And um, they have been nothing but uh, buzzing since they returned. So a huge, a huge shout-out about how great women in aviation is. If you're not tied into that already, uh, you need to be. Uh, male, female, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a huge, uh, huge culture um, of pilots in aviation, and I think it's something we should all be interested in supporting. But then also a huge shout-out and thank you to uh, our good friends at JetBlue for making that possible for our students. Well, thanks. That's uh, that's terrific. What a wonderful thing to do uh, do for those uh, students at the university. And I saw the pictures online. They all had beaming smiles. Uh, you can they, actually they're see still that. there. Actually, they haven't stopped smiling. Since <laughs> it's they got a permagrin. <laughs> well, they saw snow. I yes. mean, how yeah. all? I mean, yes. I'm sure the conference was fine, but <laughs> many of these are Florida, Florida born and bred, and they. It's like. <laughs> What is this strange contraption laying on the ground? Oh, it's cold. Why is it touching me? Um, but uh, anyway, no, they had a great time. It was a great trip for them. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's terrific. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, you can actually see some pictures of their smiling faces on Facebook. At uh, Where can they find it on Facebook? It's uh, Polk State College. Um, and if you want to get really specific, it's Polk State College dash aerospace. You can come directly to our page. And every time we have somebody who solos or 
uh, gets a certificate or something really cool happens. We love posting pictures and videos. And actually, you can go see uh, you can go see John, who I just mentioned. Um, uh, he just uh, his pictures just went up a little bit earlier uh, today. Awesome, awesome. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I love watching the pictures of when someone solos and you guys cutting the shirt tails off. Oh, we do a big yeah. It's a big deal. We yeah. um, we bring them out into the atrium of our of our uh, campus and we get everybody out of their classrooms and bring them out there in the middle of the campus and, you know, really make a show of it. It's really, it's, it's a lot of fun. Right. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's neat. I think, uh, I think he'll appreciate that too. And again, congrats, John. Now entering cruise flight. Well, let's move on to our topic uh, of this week. And what we're doing is something a little different. We're, we're trying to have this as, as a listener, uh, directed type of podcast, and to do that, we get your questions, and, and we'll try to answer them here. But we had some really, really cool questions off Twitter. So all these this this episode are going to come from Twitter. As a matter of fact, the one topic maybe the only thing we talk about, uh, and it was from the hashtag Ask Smack. And the first question is this from Twitter: A listener says, "How do you know it's time to fire your CFI?" How do you know it's time to fire your flight instructor? Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a, it's a sticky issue from many, many different aspects. And, uh, you know, I've been a CFI for many years. I've been fired by two students. And I know Eric has been also uh, fired by two students. I was going to say, if your name is, if your instructor's name is Carl Valeri or Eric Crump, apparently it's time to fire your instructor. <laughs> but but well, uh, yeah, two students. Yeah, in the in the entire time I've been an instructor. And and that's not too bad. But there's, you know, sometimes, and we'll talk at length about this. But you know, when do you know it's time to fire your CFI? First of all, if you're asking that question. You need to start reflecting on what's going on, and uh, you need to reflect on, you know, is is this time to ask that CFI to go? But just to to back up my story about the one, I had a, a one student uh, who I was flying with in a Tomahawk, a Piper Tomahawk, because I did a lot of training in those, and she worked for a governmental organization, which I was training her for, for that organization, and it was a law enforcement organization, and and she went to her you know, supervisor and said, listen, I'm flying a Tomahawk. It's a lot of fun. And the supervisor told her, don't ever fly that airplane again. That's the most dangerous airplane in the sky. Well, how do you argue with that? Because you know, I said to her, I said, well, no, it's it's safe. I mean, we do all our stalls and spins and this, and it's, it's, it's fine. It's got the new stall strip. And I tried to explain it to her. And realizing that there's a time when you just, you just can't convince somebody. You, you have to realize they are the customer. And what I should have done is said, hey, uh, you're right. Let's move on to another airplane. So the funny thing about it is, she said, you know, she told my boss, I don't want to fly with him anymore because she didn't want to fly in the airplane. I went to the instructor that she was supposed to go with, and he was going to fly with her in the same airplane. I said, listen, what you need to do is say that you don't like those Tomahawks and you want to fly in a Cessna, and she'll love you. And sure enough, that's what happened. And uh, so I got fired for that. But there's many other reasons. There's many, many other reasons that, that you might get fired as a CFI. The other one was I had a student that I was teaching the husband. And then he said, hey, you know, why don't you take my wife up? And uh, maybe she can actually do lessons with you. And, and we went up, and we just didn't hit it off. And uh, I was surprised because I figured I, I, I got along great with her husband. But it just we didn't we didn't connect, and sometimes that happens. So that was another time to to fire your CFI. I think by the the tone that I get from some of the questions here about when is it time to get rid of your CFI, there's probably some other issues too. Uh, so Eric, you know when is it time to fire your CFI? 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, I can tell you when I got fired. I mean, I got fired once um, because I had the audacity to charge somebody for ground training time. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Uh, Stealing from me. Um, You know, and, you know, there's there's a whole that's a whole episode in and of itself. Um, You know, what is ethical billing? And I think, you know, instructors need to hear that lesson just as much as students do. Um, And I had a a mentor instructor early on in, in my a learning process who told me, um, you know, anytime a student ever gives you, you know, any trouble for billing them for ground time, you know, just remind them that when that lawyer is leaving his office and go into the courtroom, he's already billing the client. (laughs) Well, I don't know that that's exactly the approach you want to take. I mean, yeah, that's true, but you know, um, and the whole, that whole billing thing is a whole separate issue. But yeah, when I spend two and a half hours with you teaching you airspace, I'm going to bill you for that. It's two and a half hours I could have spent watching you know, daytime television. So um, That's important, though, I think. It, the it is. It is. It's an important topic and something we cover very heavily with our instructors in training because um, you know, even if they're not going to train um, with us, or certainly they're not going to train at the college for their entire instructional career, and when they're out um, you know, in other schools or if they decide to go out on their own, you need to understand those principles, the basic, the business of flight instruction, which we often don't teach. Um, anyway, but that's one issue. And uh, the other issue, um, which was really, really odd, um, I had the, the most motivated student I've ever worked with in my life. Actually, too motivated, in my opinion. Um, I know that sounds weird. How could you have a student that's too motivated? But, um, you know, he would sit there and and wait and is you know just sit there and, and keep refreshing the METAR over and over again. And as soon as it went from you know to three miles, he's like, "All right, let's go fly. It's legal." I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's legal, but you don't really have a trend of improvement." I mean, he was always just crazy about getting in the airplane. Let's do it right now, real quick, quick, quick. And um, this one day there was, and I had canceled on him due to weather in the past, and he would always get mad. He would always go to the boss and complain that I was canceling his lessons and he wanted a new instructor, which, you know, the boss backed me up on. But this one day I canceled on him because there was, it was the summer, it was um, in Atlanta, and it was similar to the summer in Florida where it's just constant pop-up little sales all over the place. And they had popped up all around the airport. And there really wasn't an obvious path to get out, and there certainly wasn't an obvious path to get back in. This is not safe. And he said, I'm, I'm done. And he actually marched into the boss's office while I was still sitting. I was still standing there in the lobby, and he said, you know, if you, know, you give me another instructor right now or I'll never come back to this school ever again, the boss, the boss just kind of walked out of his office and went over and held the front door open to the flight school, <laughs> just let him leave, you know. <laughs> Um, which, you know, and I, I appreciate the support from, from, uh, from the boss in that situation. Cause a lot of people would have thrown their person under the bus. But, uh, anyway, it's, you know, those types of situations where it's like, well, you'll fly with me or else. Well, I, we're going to take or else then. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, you know, those are my two examples, but yeah, I think, uh, I've heard and I've, maybe it's because of the position I'm in now, um, in running a college program, I do evaluation flights with our students, but I very rarely provide actual instruction where I'm teaching them something in an airplane or a simulator. In a classroom, yes, but not in a flight sense. And I think they sort of feel like they can 
they can come to me and ask questions or make statements like, well, I don't want to be with this instructor anymore. And usually my response to that, you know, is to, is to say, well, you know, what are your, you know, what are your issues with the instructor? And it's usually one or two things. Um, and then my next question is, do you feel like you've done everything you could do to be the best possible student you could be? And I've yet to have one student in that situation answer that question. Yes. Because they never think about that. They only think about the instructor's role in the training process. And students, at least in my experience, very rarely look at their own role in flight training. And I I tell students all the time and always have, the instructor is only about 10 or 15% of your actual flight training process. The other 90 or 85% is you. Um, you, you, the training is your responsibility. The instructor is there as a coach and a guide and, and sure it's their responsibility to make sure you learn to be safe and competent, but the, you know, your progress through your training, um, how prepared you are for each flight lesson, how on time you are bringing, you know, being there to start the lesson and then bringing the airplane back on time. Um, those are issues that you entirely control in and of yourself. And I think it's important before we start talking about, firing the instructor that we do a little self-review also and look at the fact that, you know, in most cases, the student should be anyway, the the one in the driver's seat when it comes to their training. And, you know, we're discussing firing your CFI, and I think that's a, a great example. You want to get involved. If you have an issue with your, your student, which you alluded to, with the, say the billing, let's go back to billing. If you feel you're being overbilled, ask the instructor, say, hey, listen, you know, I think I'm being overbilled for this can can we just sit down and just go over it and they may be right you just if you have any type of issue i know it's tough to do sometimes you can you can go to their supervisor but it's best to to head towards them i have a whole list of reasons why you'd fire your cfi um and and you'd move on to somebody new um, but that's that's something important i think with billing now we've talked you and i have talked from like a instructor's perspective as far as you know when is it to fire and i do have all these things listed but i'm wondering uh, you know victoria and, and and you know rick you've both been there and been through instructors was there any point where you've had to uh and, and let's not use the word fire maybe or had to move on to a new instructor uh, victoria have you ever had that experience yeah, um, I had an experience where I had to move on from the instructor, one where I should have moved on from the instructor, and one I did, but it was mutual. So starting with the first one, um, uh, one thing to understand, too, is some student pilots like myself, when I became flying, uh, I showed up at their airport and I didn't know about a syllabus or what was expected of me or how quickly I should be learning. And I went once a month thinking, oh, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> eventually increased it to twice a month, but I didn't know what I was doing. I just, you know, I wanted to fly an airplane. You know, I didn't think that those 40 hours required is going to take a while to add up if you only go once a month. So anyway, I, I flew with this um, flight instructor for um, six lessons and she would uh, always show up late, sometimes never show up. I'd call halfway to the airport and be like, it's snowing. Can we fly in the snow? And she'd be like, no, duh. And, you know, I'd turn back around because, you know, I didn't know. I was very naive. I just thought I was learning to fly. And I didn't know what weather I could not fly in. And, you know, I figured something else would happen, perhaps ground school, which I never got from her. Um so on the one day that I showed up and waited 20 minutes and she never came, I 
I said enough is enough. And I went on to another flight school um, that introduced flight instructor number two, who was great. I learned things. I got some ground school. I was finally getting on my way. But I noticed there was a level of disinterest. Uh, he was someone who was, I believe, not don't mean to be accusatory, but I believe he was just waiting to go on the airlines. Michigan weather was pretty horrible, so sometimes we'd fly and it would just be pattern work. And he'd just be staring out the window like, when is this over? You know, counting the hours. And I never got anywhere. I mean, I had flown close to 30 hours, pretty much all pattern work, barely any across countries and had not soloed yet. Wow. So, but I didn't know. I didn't know you could fire a flight instructor. I thought he knew best. I, I didn't have anything to compare it to or someone to go to with my concerns. And I was, you know, the only female there. And, you know, I didn't think to go to a higher authority. And I did finally take a stage check for a solo when the chief instructor kind of hinted at like, God, you got a lot of hours. Why haven't you soloed yet? And I thought, huh, something's wrong there. So um, instructor number two eventually left for the airlines um, in the middle of my private pilot training. And I moved on to instructor number three. And instructor number three was awesome. He was enthusiastic. And within a month, no, two months of starting to fly with him, I had soloed. And um, probably three weeks after soloing, I was a private pilot. Wow. So there was someone who was vested in my success. He was interested. We clicked. And he was there to make a pilot. He wasn't there to go into the airlines. Um, But the problem ended up being that he was a doctor. And he was a very important doctor. So soon I found that his time was being taken away by his super important – he was – activities that he had to do for his work. And so I found that in my instrument training that I moved on with him, that he was absent more and I'd have to take a substitute flight instructor during that time. So I had to eventually make the decision that to continue on my training, I would have to pick another instructor who I could count on and rely on to be there all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my story. It was a pretty, I, I learned the lesson the hard way. And I'm happy to tell that they're people. But, yeah, I had three flight instructors for my private pilot, and I probably had close to 90 hours when I finally became one. Wow, wow. And that's those are, those are some, some great ideas. You know, I'm writing all these down, the things that you mentioned, by the way, mm-hmm. and everybody here. Uh, you, you know, the person that, that was degrading towards you, uh, yeah. uh, the time builders, uh, the person that's unavailable. Uh, that's another example. That's, those are great right there our reasons that, that, yeah, maybe it's time to move on, you know. What would have helped, I believe, um, was to have someone else, some type of support system, like the 99s, have mentors that guide their scholarship winners through their training. Mm -hmm. Someone to guide you, to know what to expect, say, to give you goals, like you should be here by this point, you should be here by this point. I had none of that. And I look back and I thought of all the wasted money and all the wasted time and how much further I could have been if I had some type of expectations or guidance besides, you know, the um, syllabus to learn by something else, something to track my success. Right. Like a a mentor or somebody Mm -hmm. managing your flight training. Exactly. Or to have the courage to speak up and say, hey, you know, is this, shouldn't I be farther? 
Like, is this really what flight training is for? I thought we should be going to other airports by now. Right, right. And that, that's, a, that's a great example right there is, you know, where, and where am I and what am I doing? And, uh, and that's, I, I think, I don't know how you felt during that. I mean, did you, how long did it take you to finally say, hey, I've had enough um, in, in the situation? You're like, hey, you're not around. I can't, I can't fly with you. I need to move on. It, this one was mutual. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it. He was gone more and more, and I was using a substitute flight instructor when he was gone, who was great, but he was also honest about wanting to go in the airlines. So it came to the point when I said, hey, you know, is this schedule going to keep up with you being so busy so often because I wanted to become a commercial pilot? And I said, I need to have someone who, like him, was there for me throughout my whole instrument rating and the rest of my private rating when I got it done so quickly. I need someone who's committed to that goal. And he said, you know what, maybe we should get you with another um, instructor who can be with you and commit to a schedule and see this through. So it was mutual. And that's, you know, right there is a good example of integrity. I mean, the, that yes. instructor actually had a lot of integrity he by did. doing that. He did. He was great. But, but the other ones that are just sitting there building time, which I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. if you're just building, problem. if you're yeah. building time for an airline, that's great. Uh, but you, your job right now is very, very important. And that's teaching the person how to fly and advancing them in their ratings. That is the most important job right now. And the most important person in the world is the person in front of you next to you and the person you're teaching. And you have to remember, you know, I've always told everybody, integrity is, is probably the most important value uh, in anything you do, especially in flight training. And, and I think Victoria made an excellent point. Right after integrity is communication. Right. Um, you know, my first instructor, I started flying when I was 13. So like Victoria, I didn't know, I mean, I was a kid. You know, I thought airplanes were cool. And I, you know, I worked and mowed grass and washed cars so that I could fly an hour each month. You know, I wasn't really progressing, but I didn't know that. I was just, I didn't know what learning to fly even meant. And I don't think my first instructor ever cracked a syllabus or showed me a lesson plan or anything. It was just, we're going to do whatever. And so I I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I I think the thing that, the thing that was the biggest eye opener to me in regard to good flight training. And my first instructor was an awesome flight instructor. He just had a completely different method than what I would teach a new flight instructor or even a recurrent flight instructor to use. It worked fine. It's just not, you know, that's not how I would teach it today. But um, it was the airport community. It was all those people that just hung out at the airport on Saturday and everybody would talk about their experience. And I would say, when well, this is what's going on. And they're like, well, you know, where you are, this is what you should be doing. Like, oh, well, that's good to know because I didn't know that. Um, and then going through collegiate aviation, I got my private, you know, at my local airport back home. And then all the rest, everything else that I did um, uh, up through my instruct, my first instructor rating I did when I was in college. And, um, you know, th- there again, you've got a huge community of other people that you can kind of norm yourself off of. But then you've also got a huge instructional staff that you can go and talk to and ask, and well, what about this and what about that? And um, you know, and that's that's not everybody's experience at every airport, certainly. But again, that's where, in my opinion, podcasts um, like this one and and blogs and and forums like that are are huge help today. That you know, I didn't have when I started flight training. Um, I don't think the internet existed when I started flight training, so. 
Um, I think they had just discovered electricity in Alabama, actually, when I started flight training. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I think that um, having those people that you can go and you can ask questions of, whether they're physical live people in front of you or they're the resources that are available um, you know, online or, or through people that you know or contacts or whatever, integrity is number one. And that goes from both sides of the aisle, whether you're the instructor or you're the student the integrity is absolutely the number one thing you both of you have to bring that to the table or it's not going to work but right below integrity is that communication and just saying hey where am i how am i doing am i where i'm supposed to be what what's next what's the plan um and you know when you ask your instructor that and they say i don't know (laughs) you know then okay well then that's maybe and there are certainly bad instructors i mean no one's going to deny that um and there are a lot of instructors who are who use flight instruction as their meal ticket to get to the airlines or to whatever corporate job it is that they want or whatever. Um, and that's unfortunate because um, and you know you talk to the uh, the airline pilots um, who used to be instructors or maybe who still keep their instructor certificate current. And I know Carl, you would agree with this. Um, what you do as a flight instructor is way more demanding with personal responsibility than what you do in the airline cockpit. Sure. Um, because you're, you're, you're actually shaping not only one person's ability to get in the airplane and fly without you, but to take their family and to fly long distances and to the responsibility factor in my personal opinion is way higher as a flight instructor. And, um, I think we maybe as instructors, we don't give that the respect that we should, um, all the time. And I, it's funny. I don't know if you had the same experience, Carl, but, Victoria, as you're talking about all those instructors, of course, I've never met the instructors personally that you're talking about, but I know all of those people. Right, <laughs> I know right. that I've, I've, I've worked with them. I've seen them. Um, and those are very, very common instructor types. And I think it's important, like I said before, I think it's important that student pilots be in the driver's seat in their training and that they, they know. I'm not saying that you should know what you don't know. You've got to learn that somehow. But that you're, but that you're responsible for it. And it sounds to me, having never heard that story from you before, that that's exactly what I would encourage any student pilot to do, sure. to go and, and seek out, you know, well, would this instructor be better for me? Why? Well, is it a scheduling thing? Okay, let's talk about it and make sure it's okay. Because ultimately, you know, when you're on instructor number 10 and you still haven't soloed and you have 200 hours you have to look in the mirror and say, is it me? <laughs> you know, I mean, and that, sure, one, one instructor, one bad instructor experience, two bad instructor experience. Sure, okay, that can happen. But, you know, I've seen I've, and I've received students who've come in for their initial interview. You know, they, um, you know, that, well, I've, I've done a little training here and there. They've been to five schools. There's eight different instructors' names in their logbook. And, and all they do is talk about how bad their instructors were. And then you start to think, okay, well, and that's the thing. I think we just we just have to be or to be honest about where we are in the training. An instructor who, and like you said, Victoria, instructor whose intention is to go to the airlines. He's upfront about that. My end goal is to go to the airlines. It's what I want to do. But when I'm working with you, I'm here with you, and you're going to get the best quality service I can provide. And and I think going back to a statement you said, uh, just to clarify, you know that. You had said it's unfortunate if they're just billing time to go to the airlines or corporate. Well, that's good that they have that goal. Uh, but as long as I, I think to clarify that statement, so you, you don't get you know any hate mail. It's okay to be building time, but but you're you're 
responsible for that student during that time period. And if you're just there to put in the time and leave punch a clock, I think that's what you are more alluding to, is the person that's just punching the clock, building the flight, having the Hobbs meter run, uh, and, and taxing for 45 minutes. And I, I, think, I think that's what you're saying, right, Eric? Yeah, that's, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, uh, most people, I think, go into flight instruction with the intent of moving on to another job. Mm-hmm. I think you know, there's a small minority of people, and we have those students in our program now, who intend to be career flight instructors. That's what they want to do. Um, But I think that's a minority of people who get the ticket. Certainly when I became a flight instructor, I thought I was becoming a flight instructor, and that was my entry-level aviation job, so that I could build flight time and eventually go and do something else. Then I fell in love with flight instruction, and that's all I wanted to do. Um, But I think use, and I, I tell our CFI applicants this exact same thing, Building flight time can be a goal of being a flight instructor, but it can't be your only goal. If it's you, if that's your only goal, then the quality of the service you provide is going to be based on a goal that is completely self-serving. And, and I mean, I don't mean that to be offensive. I, I've I've been there, so I, I can I'm telling you from experience, from the instructional side of it, having a goal of building flight time to go to another to build time to get to another job in aviation that's a perfectly admirable thing to do but it just can't be your only goal it can't be your sole goal you can't look at your students as you know a meal ticket to get to you know that's not what that is um it's a super high responsibility job and honestly a super high accountability job being a flight instructor and i just i think as an instructional community we do ourselves a better service if we show flight instruction, the respect as a career that it deserves. And I think our students as a whole, just based on what Victoria said, and I'm sure Rick will probably have a common experience too because it's a common experience for most students. Right. That, I mean, when you know when your instructor cares about you or not, it's pretty obvious. Sure. And the, your, your enjoyment level in your training, the quality of the training you receive, and quite frankly, the amount of money you spend is directly proportionate to the amount of the care the instructor has for you and what you're trying to accomplish. Speaking of caring, I think, um, I know I've, I've listened to Rick talk before about the instructional experiences he's had. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rick, it seems like you've had, uh, and this is my perspective of your training yeah. from an outsider. You've had a wonderful experience. Have you yeah. had any challenges along the way? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, you've got, you've got it pretty much right. I mean, I, I think the, the, the one area that I can get into is the idea that when you don't know what you don't know, um, looking back, I might have, I, I know myself better now and might <clears throat> want to direct myself toward a CFI with, with, a, with a certain attention to detail that I can discuss in a minute that I didn't have, but I didn't know that then. And I didn't know that I was missing anything. So I liked the I liked the you know, people I had, a um, uh, the first uh, guy I was with, I was with for a while and he actually ran the school. So he, he, you know, he had a lot of, um, you know, there's just a lot of good things about him and we, we clicked fine. And then there were some other ones that picked up some, you know, those bits where you, where you get a shift conflict or he can't do it. And so I had a couple other people during that period that weren't permanent, but that were fascinating because they were so different. And, and in a way it was almost like that flying different planes thing where you learn different things. And I got, you know, some different perspective from a couple of them that were a little more characters. And I was kind of glad I wasn't with them all the time, but it was kind of fun to be with them, you know, briefly. One of them was a retired uh, uh, airline pilot who, who, who was great, actually. And I would have probably 
enjoyed flying with him permanently. But and uh, another, I actually don't remember what his uh, the context was, or because or, he was didn't seem to be at the flight school long. But he was one of those guys that you know I was pretty early on, and I remember he he did that you know right um, a beam the numbers pulling power, and you know and, and w- without too much warning. And and at the time for me it was like whoa interesting you know interesting approach, and I didn't feel any danger. But he was a little more aggressive in in challenging me, which I enjoyed. I again don't know that I would have wanted that all the time. So I had this one guy, and then I, um, and and but I took a while. Part of that was like I think like Victoria was saying, I wasn't, I kind of for me and my lifestyle I wasn't going often enough, and that was the factor there more than they weren't helping me. Um, and so it took a while to solo, uh, and then I cross country fine, and then it took a while to finish because I had to change types of planes. So that was no one person's fault. And around that same time, I changed to the, to the instructor that got me through my check ride. And, and I thought they were all good guys and did a great job. But I, I guess what I would say now is there were some things that, that I went through that I learned from, but I think I wouldn't have even had happen if I'd been smarter on some stuff. Like, I don't think the, 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 from, from the beginning, I got enough awareness of, um, uh, of the precision of airspeed numbers, you know, of, of what, what kind of targets to be shooting for where I was either in the pattern or on approach. I, you know, it was more like a feel thing and, uh, and maybe some other gauges, but I, I, I got way better at a lot of stuff when I started hitting those numbers more precisely. And I think somebody, many people would have told me those numbers and had them drummed into my head. And I really don't don't think they were. So, um, that was, that, that provided for some interesting, uh, interesting landings when I was, when I was alone in cross country. But, uh, anyway, so yeah, I mostly did not ever have to do that, but I would say I did do think that if you are in that position and you want to make a change and, and you, uh, can't, and you know, and you do approach the situation and have a conversation and that conversation doesn't go well and you wanted to have a conversation for some other reason, that's a really good sign because the right kind of person will say, cool, let me, let's figure out what will work, right? And if they don't do that, then the, then, then the, the fit isn't right anyway. There, there shouldn't be any big issue with switching. Um, and if there is, then, then maybe you, you need to look around for a school that gets why you, it should be your choice to have that fit. And I also loved Eric's story, which was a student who was inappropriate for the school <laughs> being, you know, allowed to leave, as it were, in quotes, because, you know, at some point, it's pretty clear what kind of pilot you're going to become if that's your attitude. So, uh, yeah, I've been lucky in that sense. Yeah. And do you think, you know, it's interesting just listening to you. It sounds like you've benefited from having the multiple instructors and, you know, yeah. we, we definitely I remember learned. different, a couple different ones. I have vivid memories about great moments of big aha moments that kind of came more from, well, not exclusively, but from s- s- some of the, some of the people I had, you know, briefly and, 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 and got a range of experience on. It's always weird. It's a little bit of a step back because they don't know you. And that first flight, there's a bit of catch up. And but there's always something in there. I think that from because they've got an interesting perspective that that I think is useful. So um, every so often, having someone else next to you who knows how to fly and is helping you learn is a, not a bad thing. I think well, that's for sure. You know, it's interesting. As we've been talking, something's come to mind. Have have anybody? here has anybody been with an instructor they felt wasn't safe (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I know from Eric, I'm sure. I don't know. I flew with this guy named Carl one time, and he was, jeez, man, I was terrified for my life. The barrel roll on the ILS. You didn't like that? <laughs> but but think full about flaps. this. No, that was not cool. Yeah. How would you know? How would you know if the person's not safe? You know what I mean? Like, you're so darn scared, and you don't know what's going on at first. Um, I think sharing your experiences with other people is great uh, in and the reason I'm saying that is, you know, I was up with an instructor and it's like, well, you know, we go do spins and, you know, he wanted to show me when how he did strafing runs with the fighters because this guy used to fly fighters and you get down a treetop level and go below the, the power lines and things like that. And I'm like, well, in the beginning, you're like, gee, this is different. You know, I don't think we're supposed to do this. <laughs> but how do you know? You know, because you're new. And you realize, well, we're too close, I think, to those those other, you know, birds and and trees, et cetera. And, uh, you know, that that's where it is good to have someone else involved. That's why another reason I like a lot of the 141 programs. But safety is a big issue. And normally normally you don't see that too much. But I, I you know, I, I had, I've been at a 141 school where I was assistant chief of different ones. And we had one guy that would, on intro flights, do rolls in a 172. And do barrel rolls. I'm like, gosh, you know, you really probably shouldn't be doing that. You, know? <laughs> you and, definitely shouldn't be doing that. And, and he's like, really? <laughs> it's like, no, you don't do barrel rolls on. And, and that permeated his whole career. Uh, that you know, he made it finally to the airlines and all, but um, had a lot of issues. Got fired quite often. But that's something we haven't really discussed is the safety issue. That's just an experience I've had. Um, because all I listed all these different things, the reasons I've had to get rid of instructors at the school. There's another one that we didn't mention, and this was one I had the toughest time approaching the instructor. And I'd like to hear Eric's comments on this if he's ever had this problem. But every so often, I've had a student tell me my instructor smells bad. <laughs> Close like, quarters. <laughs> oh my gosh! And. You know, you think about it, and smell is really important. And this was an individual who didn't really bathe enough, and uh, that's a that's a heck of a conversation because you don't, you know, what do you do? I had to read a little bit so that I didn't say anything wrong um, and get myself in trouble for bringing this up. Uh, you know, and I didn't want to get fired for saying something that was inappropriate in that situation. So, you know, I had to actually go to somebody in, in the personnel department and say, hey, I've got this issue. How do I approach this individual? Uh, and uh, it was a sticky, sticky situation. It's like, uh, you know, just sitting there saying, hey, listen, uh, maybe, you know, hint, you know, so maybe uh, we should uh, put some cologne on maybe next time, uh, shower twice a day, maybe a new shirt in the middle of the day, etc." Uh, so, uh, Eric, have you ever had that issue where someone's going to say, this guy stinks? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've had that with one instructor. I've had it with several students um, yeah. where the student was passed between two instructors, and then the student was getting passed on to a third instructor. And as an assistant chief at the time, I got involved, and I'm like, well, what's the problem? You know, why is this student being transferred between instructors? And finally they just said, he stinks. I'm like, has anybody mentioned this to the student? And they're like, well, no, we don't want to insult him. I'm like, wait, how, you can't give him to everybody at the flight school. I mean, somebody's got to talk to the kid. Um, and so, and so I, you know, you sit down and you have that conversation. And 
from a customer perspective, you know, when you're out of, and that, that particular experience was in collegiate aviation, but I've, I mean, I flew with a guy in Atlanta who was a construction worker and he would come in on his lunch break from a job site in June in Atlanta. Oh, God. And, you know, I've got an hour and a half to fly with this guy <laughs> in Atlanta in June. Okay. Yeah. It's terrible. You know, and, and it got to the point where I'm like, listen, I, I'm not trying to be, and you, this is a customer, you know, they pay, you know, you don't want to run them off. But, you know, where you say, listen, I'm not trying to insult you or anything, but I know you're coming from the job site. We know what the airplane is like. He goes, I know, it stinks. I'm like, yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of the time, at, at least the, the situations I've had, there was always awareness of it. It was just everybody tiptoed around the issue. And again, I think that's where it goes back to the communication piece. The one time I had this issue with an instructor, it was very similar to what you said, Carl, where the guy just, he just wasn't a bather. <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> I don't know for whatever reason, he just didn't subscribe to bathing. And, and so, you know, we sat him down um, and we said, you know, hey, you know, we, I don't mean to offend you, but we've gotten some complaints about you know, the way you smell in the airplane. And he said, well, you know, I, I sweat a lot, and I guess, you know, maybe maybe I just stink more than other people. And I said, and he said, so, you know, I, I had tried to wear cologne, but then the cologne makes it really bad. Is it just, it's, it's too much smell. It's, in, it's just too intense. Um, and, and I asked the guy, I'm like, well, let me, here's what I do. When I fly in the summertime, this is true today, um, I keep a roll-on deodorant in my desk. Don't put it in your flight bag, for the love of all things holy. I made that mistake one time. <laughs> Don't do that. You're going to buy a new flight bag. Um, but keep it in your desk. You come inside, go to the bathroom, get some TP or a, whatever, a towel, dry yourself off. I, I mean, I know this sounds stupid, but it, it sh- maybe it should be common sense. But I think so many people are so self-conscious about it, they don't want to think about it. Go in the bathroom, dry yourself off, put your deodorant back on again. And, you know, when I'm flying, when I was flying full time during the summer, after every flight, come in, reapply the deodorant and go back out again. And that's just that's just how it's done. I mean, yes, you can change shirts and you can go through all that if you want to also. But, I mean, it's it's important for your image as an instructor. You know, you don't want to stink in the airplane and it's something simple you can do. Just, you know, apply your deodorant, but do not put the deodorant in your flight bag. Um, <laughs> don't, do not put the deodorant in your flight bag. I, I spent, I don't know, it was probably 30 minutes just scraping little pieces of deodorant off of my headset. Oh, it was boy. disgusting. <laughs> Everything's completely destroyed anyway. So that's my pearl of wisdom. Number one is use deodorant. Pearl of wisdom. Number two is keep it in your desk. So don't stink <laughs> up the airplane. I like that. That's a great quote there, Eric. The, uh, that's, that's our episode title, I think we have. Don't stink up, Don't the, plane. Stink up the plane. And other pearls <laughs> of wisdom. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This this is actually a great topic. And, uh, you know, we've we've already kind of come to the end of the show here on this. Um, I kind of want to go through some of the things we've said first and see if anybody has anything to add as far as what we've come up with. Uh, but there's the other part of this, and I'd love to hear from, from the audience, from you, the listener. Uh, what is it, you know, what do you think it's to be a good student? You know, we should have that discussion. What is a good student? And uh, and maybe from some instructors, you know, when when is it time to fire your student? Because that's a whole nother discussion, just like you said, Eric. It's a whole nother discussion right there. 
what makes a good student. I would love to have that discussion sometime in an upcoming episode. But I'd like to get some feedback from you folks. But you know, so far, and and please add some if if I haven't, I don't have them all here. But uh, here's the things I wrote down. Uh, you know, as far as when it's time to think about flying, firing your instructor, uh, billing if they're billing you improperly, safety uh, if you don't, you just don't get along. Another one we just talked about if they smell bad. Uh, another one's integrity, and uh, if the person has no integrity. Also, if you're not making any progress, that's another reason you should start looking at that. Uh, if the person is degrading, maybe if the person is degrading, that's time to move on. If the person you're flying with is a time builder and nothing else, not an instructor. If they're unavailable, and if there's a lack of communication. I think that's all that I have. Did I miss any, guys, gals? I think I got them all, but uh, real interesting stuff. We're gonna yeah. put, I'm going to put that list. Uh, on the show notes uh, for episode 92. Uh, but this this is something we could discuss for hours on end. And I think um, having having that discussion when it's time to fire your CFI is, is important. And uh, as a matter of fact, we can all look back at our friends and uh, and say, hey, you know, when when should I get rid of this instructor? You know, when have they had a problem? And maybe I can learn from their experience. And then realize, too, after you've, you know, just like Victoria said and Eric said, and, you know, there's when they've gotten rid of the instructor, they've, you know, they've actually done better and things progress better. So look at it from the positive side. Know that after you get rid of the instructor, things will probably get better. So think of it that way. Look at it from a positive standpoint. Our picks of the week. Well, gosh, guys, this has been a great discussion. Um, we do have to move on, though. We're coming up to, on, our, on the end of the show here, and we need to move on to some of the picks of the week. And that is going to start off with uh, Rick Felty. You had an interesting sure. pick of the week. Well, it's it's a it's another one. Every so often, about every other show, I pick an iOS game, and uh, this one is. Uh, and it's it, it's priced right because it's free, um, and it's called F eighteen Carrier Landing Light. Uh, you can buy the one that's not light. <laughs> that one is so much fun. <laughs> it's very basic. It's not the most amazing graphics ever, you know, but it's but it's 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 solid. It's fun to play, and and you can buy and you can try it out for free by getting the light version, and then for for three bucks, uh, you know, get a get a more robust version, which I, I assume I've tried it uh, involves more planes, and I haven't had a chance to try it a lot, but. It's really cool when you clip the end of the carrier and explode. I'll just leave, I'll just leave it at that. So it's called F-18 Carrier Landing, and the one I tr- the free tryout is is light. Awesome, awesome. Well, Victoria, you have a really cool pick of the week. Tell us a little bit about. It. Yeah, it's um, actually a young adult book that I saw at the bookstore and just had to get. It's called Fly Girl by Sherry L. Smith. And it's about a young African-American girl who actually is very light-skinned, and she pretends to be white to be able to join the wasps. And the whole story is about her struggle to find, you know, who she really is. She feels like she's um, betraying her heritage as a black woman pretending to be white, but she also knows she belongs in the sky and wants to be serving her country in the wasps. And uh, besides that part of the story, which was very um, incredibly interesting, it was also really interesting to read about what life was like for the wasps and what training was like and what was expected of them and the different things they did and the challenges they faced. So it was a historical fiction, but gave you a great taste of some amazing women in our history. 
Awesome. That's uh, historical fiction is one of my favorites, and I'd love to read that one. So we'll have that link uh, at uh, Stuck My Cavcast. Quick read. Very quick read. Very quick read. I could read it. Yeah, it was very good. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I read slow, though. So you won't be able to put it down. No, cool. I will. I will definitely read that awesome. one. Awesome. And uh, actually, let me do my pick of the week next. Uh, I've been talking a lot about bird strikes, and I've been doing a few presentations for the FA recently. Uh, I'm a kind of a geek when it comes to wildlife strikes, etc. I've been lecturing on them for the past twelve years, and absolutely love everything that has to do with bird strikes and airfields, Part One Thirty Nine, and and when we need to put mitigation practices in place, what type of mitigation practices are there. But there's this really cool thing, and if you ever have a bird strike, you need to go to this database and record your bird strike, but you can also look up some. And it's actually wildlife.fa.gov. They made a real simple way of you actually reporting a strike. But what's really cool, and looking up all the different bird strikes, but what's really cool is always go to the left column and check out all the information there's some really neat reporting. There's lots of different, uh, you know, the bird uh, avoidance model. You can get a link to figure out uh, when birds are, are prone to strike your aircraft in certain areas, uh, especially migratory birds. This is run by the Air Force and very fascinating if you're into that, if you're into all, you know, bird strikes and understanding them. I've had over 14 bird strikes, so that's kind of how I got into it. And I said, hey, maybe there is something here, and I need to need to look into this. But it's uh, wildlife.fa.gov is my pick of the week. I encourage you going out there and checking it out. And uh, last but not least, Eric Crump, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week is uh, what's well, different for me to start uh, talking about Android apps. So I hope Rick doesn't come through the headset and strangle me for talking about an Android app. <laughs> Woohoo, but, Android! Um, no, no, but, we need we need all good competition. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, when it comes to flight apps, um, I, I'm really torn, to be completely honest with you, between ForeFlight and Garmin Pilot. Um, I really like them both. Um, I like that Garmin Pilot works on the iPhone or the iOS and on Android with one subscription, and that's cool because I like both devices. But um, in an internet search, I stumbled across this Android app called AvAir. It's A-V-A-R-E, and it's free. It's a moving map GPS um, offline, um, so you can download the charts. It's you know tracks your position in flight. You can navigate with it. One of the really cool features of the app that I really love from an instructional perspective is that you can draw on the screen while using it in GPS mode. So if I want while in flight or on the ground or whatever, if I wanted to show something to the student, I can actually draw on the screen and present it as a in a learning uh, context also. Um, it uh, you've got the full AFD approach plates, all that sort of stuff, and um, and it's free. So I mean, you can't beat free. Um, you know, it certainly does not have the entire feature set that an app like ForeFlight or Garmin Pilot has to as you know, just as examples. But if you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out, well, you know, how does this all work, and or if you're looking for you know a, something to use early on in your training to get the hang of how it works, and you don't want to pay for the subscription yet, um, Avair might be a good place to start. Um, and it's an extremely highly rated app. I think it's got almost 1,300 reviews, and it's got like a 4.5 star average. Um, uh, users love it. It's very reliable from what I understand. Um, only sort of downloaded it and played with it myself. The app itself is only 60 kilobytes. And then uh, if you, you can download how many ever charts you want. 
um, anyway, just something to go take a look at if you're interested in such things. Awesome. That sounds good. That sounds great. Thanks. Appreciate that, Eric. And, um, and that's, you know, I forgot to say Sean Moody couldn't make it and he didn't, he had a pick of the week, but uh, we'll have him mention that on the next show. The after landing checklist. Uh, this has been great. This has been a wonderful conversation. I, I hope that if you're listening, that you've, you've taken something away from this. If you're having some challenges with your flight instructor, just remember you're not alone. Uh, you've heard from all of us. We've all had certain challenges with our instructors. And, and maybe, maybe we've given you some tools to help you out in, in possibly approaching your instructor, approaching their manager. And, uh, you know, is it time to fire your flight instructor? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I hope we don't have a wave of, of flight instructors getting fired after this episode, <laughs> because we, we certainly don't want that. But, but maybe we can open up some conversations, and that's, that's what we're trying to do here at the Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh, as a matter of fact, this, is, this has just been so much fun bringing this to you, and I, I really appreciate all the comments uh, that, that you've made on the website and also emails. Remember, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you on Twitter, on email, and also on our phone line. And uh, to send an email, just go to stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to ask us something on, sh- on Twitter, make it short, of course. It's hashtag AskSmack, ask, S-M-A-C. And don't forget the new phone number, Dip My Wings. That's 347-699-4647, which is Dip My Wings. I think I'm going to call that just so I can dial the number. Do that. Do that. And, and <laughs> just that's a really cool number. Yes. And 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 if you want it, if you want your question, by the way, on here, and if you want the recording on the show, let us know that when you place that in the recording. We'll edit the recording out. Uh, if you don't want, if you mention your name, uh, and you don't want your name mentioned on the show, we'll edit that part out. But yeah, this uh, it's it's really neat. It's a simple Google Voice, and uh, we can upload those those conversations here. Also, another thing, uh, if you can help me out, I just got a new iPhone six today, and my challenge to you, the listener, is what app, aviation app is best on the iPhone 6, better than any of the other iPhones. What app do you feel was designed to work with the iPhone 6 better than any other iPhone? I'd love to hear from you. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening. Remember, this is uh, this is aviation. We love it. We love flying. We love airplanes. And I really encourage you to do something today to, to move forward in your flying. I mean, just do something. Go out there and read a book. Do a, uh, Listen to a podcast. Uh, watch the airplanes up in the sky. Uh, you know, go out to a uh, runway and watch them take off and land. Just do something. Have some fun. We love bringing this this show to you. And, uh, you know, this really is, this is kind of a, our aviation family. And, uh, and I've really, really enjoyed uh, bringing this podcast to you. We'll talk to you next episode. I hope you will fly safe. And remember, just give us a call. Ask us a question. We'll put it on the show. Take care. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.